0: Hi it's Giffin Finlow-Bates here and in today's video I want to present an analogy to try to explain how NFTs and NFT contracts work so that you have something familiar to pin the concepts to and hopefully prevent you from making some basic mistakes when thinking about or talking about NFTs and the usefulness of this analogy is particularly good when it comes to determining NFT provenance in the art world we have this concept of provenance. You have a painting and then you have people who use documentation and inspecting the painting and the signature on it and the makeup of the paint and stuff like that to ensure that it is a genuine Rembrandt that you're looking at and not a very masterful fake that somebody has produced. And now we don't need to question why it is that a painting executed brilliantly by Rembrandt should be more valuable than an equally brilliantly executed painting that is a perfect copy, except for the chemical composition and a few inaccuracies here and there. Why one should be so much more valuable than the other, that's just the way that human beings work. We like the sense that something is associated with a famous person rather than a forger who um, lived in Paris a hundred years later. So... um Anyway, back to the analogy, and the analogy is this, firstly in NFTs you have something called an NFT contract, and you can liken this to a factory that makes picture frames, right? So when you go to an art gallery and you see paintings, they have these nice usually golden colored borders around them to frame the picture, and an NFT contract is a factory that at will can create picture frames. Then you have the piece of art. in um, the analogy that is a canvas with paint on it, in the digital world that is equivalent to a JPEG or i.e. an image file, and there's a problem in the digital world which is that whereas in the real world if a master painter has painted a beautiful painting on a canvas it's very very hard to forge it, on the digital world it's really easy. If you can see the image in your browser um, on the internet, then you can just right-click and save it and now you have an identical copy. So it's a bit like you being able to go into the Louvre and look at the Mona Lisa and then click your fingers and you have an identical copy in your hand, Um, and you can do this as many times as you like. So there is a problem in the digital world with ensuring uniqueness of um, artworks, you just can't do it. Um, Similarly we have the same problem with sound files and video files. Uh, a copy of a song by your favorite band is as good as the original. In fact, there probably really isn't an original anymore. It's not like there are master tapes out there on the internet for um, mp3 files. They're all identical copies. So um, anyway, back to the analogy. We had the ERC-721 contract as being a factory that makes frames, and so therefore... We have the first party in the NFT world, and that is the person who builds the factory, and in the uh, blockchain world you can equate that to an Ethereum address that deployed an ERC721 contract, so that's the first address or the first entity involved in all of this. Then you have the minting of NFTs, and that is like somebody ordering the factory to make a frame, and when they place the order to make the frame they include with the order the fact that the frame needs to contain a particular JPEG and where that JPEG on the inter- is on the internet. So uh, that's the second entity, so now you have a second Ethereum address and that would be the address of the person calling a function in the Um, NFT contract in order to mint an NFT. And as I said, that's the same as someone ordering a picture frame um, to be delivered with the canvas of their choice inside it. Now, here's the third thing, which is when you order that frame, you don't have to order it and have it delivered to you personally. You can ask for that frame containing the picture to be delivered to somebody else. So now we have a third entity, which is the first recipient of the NFT. And this is where I think OpenSea makes a mistake because they equate the first receiver of the NFT with the creator of the NFT. And that's not accurate because the creator of the NFT is actually the person who placed the order with the factory to manufacture it in the first place. Um, And this is how sleep minting works, because in sleep minting you make it look like a famous artist such as Beeple has minted an NFT, when in actual fact it's you, and the reason why you can get away with this is because OpenSea presents the recipient as being the creator of the art NFT, and you can just say create this NFT and send it to Beeple's address. Um, So that's like me scrawling a picture of a horse on a piece of paper and then sending it to Damien Hirst and now claiming that because he was the first person to receive it, it's his artwork. In the real world that would be laughable, nobody would be conned by that, but in the blockchain and digital world people are conned by this all the time, and quite frankly I don't know why OpenSea has this policy of claiming that the creator of an art piece is the first person that receives that NFT. Um, Actually I do know why that is, and the reason is that, and we can now extend the analogy, is that OpenSea runs one of these NFT contracts, i.e. they own a a picture frame factory, and because they're in control of that factory um, they don't let you (coughs) trigger the order to create the picture frame, what you can do is you request that they place the order to make the frame and then have the frame and picture delivered to you personally, so that's the order that they do it in, and in that sense OpenSea owns the factory, OpenSea owns the manufacturing process, you're the person requesting that the handles get turned in the factory to make your frame, and then you have that picture delivered to you, and now you're the first owner, and there's no way in their contract ensuring that it is you personally who actually executes the manufacturing of that picture frame, so they've used this sort of sleight of hand to say, well because we're in control of the whole process up to the delivery of the NFT to the first person, we'll say that the first person who gets it is the creator. So if someone like Beeple comes along and asks OpenSea to mint an NFT on their behalf, the second entity I was talking about, the person placing the order, is OpenSea, just as the first entity I talked about, the picture frame factory owner is also OpenSea, however OpenSea also allows other people to list their contracts on the OpenSea site, so I can deploy an ERC721 contract on OpenSea and they will quite happily display all the NFTs that have been minted in it on their site, and for a casual browser there's no way to tell whether it's the OpenSea picture frame factory that is making the NFTs and therefore it is OpenSea who is doing the minting and therefore the first owner is the creator and quotes of the NFT because that's the way they do it, or whether it's my contract that is on OpenSea and it's some other party that's making the order to make the picture frame and then they're sending it to a third person. Anyway I talked about three entities here, and I'm probably losing you here a bit because it does sound like it's getting very complicated, but if you go back and listen to it a few times and try to have an understanding of these parties in the analogy, the, the factory owner that, um, the owner of the factory that makes these picture frames, the person placing the order for the picture frames, and the first recipient of a picture frame when it's made, you can start to understand what's going on here. And of course again there are parallels in the real art world, because for example these days modern artists don't actually make the art that they conceive. Someone like Damien Hirst doesn't spend his time up to his elbows in paint pots making dot paints or uh, putting diamonds onto a gold skull or something like that. He has a bunch of assistants and they do the work for him, and in fact historically that's been the case in art for quite a long time the medieval masters would have had assistants that did all the tedious stuff, and then the master would come along and add extra strokes just to make the artwork perfect, and yet we say that that is therefore a piece of art by this particular master painter, and not all his assistants as well. Seems a bit unfair, but you know that's kind of how it goes in the world. It's like any creative endeavour. It's usually not just one sole person who does it, you have an army of editors and proofreaders and people like that in uh, publishing, for example, and similarly in music you have not just band members and the songwriter and the singer, you have the producer and the promoters and stuff like that, so it's usually a collective endeavour, and yet we pin it to one single name. Anyway, once again I've got distracted from my analogy about the picture frame factory, the order for picture frames, and then the delivery to the first person and that leads me to the final step, which is that the picture frame can then be handed from person to person, and those are the subsequent trades of the NFT token over time, and you can track them in websites such as OpenSea. So uh, anyway, that's the analogy. I've gone through it several times. I do understand that it's not the easiest thing to grasp, but if you look at that analogy you can then start asking questions about who owns what, where, where, and what actions have taken place and what significance we can read into them. And I do think that with NFTs, it's fundamentally a problem about presentation. The fact is that when somebody goes to a website to look at an image that has been retrieved using a URL or pointer in an NFT on their browser, they don't see all these different layers. And if you look in my YouTube channel, you'll see that I have a whole series of videos called Ledgers and Layers, which tries to unpeel all these different levels, because when you're seeing these things in a web browser, they're all collapsed into one, namely the vision that you have on the pane in front of you. However, what's going on underneath takes place on several different levels, and the significance of those different levels is something that's not immediately obvious and easy to appreciate. Anyway, that's today's video, a bit longer than usual, but I hope you found it somewhat informative and interesting, and I'll see you on the next episode soon. Bye for now.